Coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field, it's the Derek Izzy Show. Making history his story, Derek Izzy. You're listening to the Derek Izzy Show. Welcome back for another month of this stellar podcast. We're going to kick today's show off by telling you about a company called Fiverr. Maybe you've heard of them on our show before, but they run a unique business. Now, if you're looking to, let's say you want to design your own website, you've got a new business, you want a website that will bring followers to your site, get yourself attention. Yeah, you can reach out to a company to design a site, but if you use the link in the show notes or the link at the top of DerekIzzy.com, you can get direct access to freelance professionals. So let's say a company might charge you a couple thousand dollars to design a website. What they're going to do is give it to one of their employees who is then going to create that website for you. What Fiverr does is give you direct access to that freelance worker through their platform. Freelancers put their hourly rates or by project rates on there, and you can choose from professionally vetted freelancers, if you prefer. They can set up a budget for you. They can do video and animation, music, business marketing, digital marketing, writing and translation. When there's a professional need and you don't have the money in your budget to hire an entire company to meet that need for you, click on that Fiverr link and do business with a freelance professional. Listeners to The Derek Izzy Show, if you have professional skills and you'd like to advertise them on Fiverr, use that same link and get yourself set up. The important thing is to use the link in the show notes or on DerekIzzy.com so they know that you got the information from here. And now, the topic of today's podcast. Born on November 26th, 1876. The topic of our podcast was from Angola, New York. As he was growing up, he struggled with certain aspects of his education. One of the subjects that challenged him was math, and specifically fractions. For some reason, his mind just could not understand the concept of fractions. And this is something fairly common among children. But what allowed him to succeed was the intervention of his mother. She demonstrated on apples. She took an apple and cut it into slices and explained how fractions work with those apple slices. While his mom was only teaching him how to understand fractions, this was one of the events that would have an impact on this child's life and get his brain started on a problem-solving path 
that would lead him to success in college. He attended school at Angola Academy, graduated from Buffalo High School. From there, he went on to Cornell University. He was fairly intelligent. Graduating from Cornell with an engineering degree, he was very creative. He loved inventing solutions to solve problems. A mind like that was definitely well-suited for an engineer, but the legacy he was able to create using his engineering skills would live on after he was gone. He married his wife in the year 1902. In just 10 years, his wife would die. He would then get married a second time. Going back in time, the ancient Egyptians were a very inventive people. They created all kinds of technology that was extremely modern for their times. The way they designed their buildings, using airflow and the directions that the buildings would face. They understood the climate that they were working in and how to build effective structures to allow them to live in that climate and make the most of their environment. Going back to the ancient Romans, another group that was very inventive. There was an emperor who actually, he had his people go to the top of the mountains where it was snowing, load the snow into carts, bring it down to where his living quarters were, and provide coolness in the summer. Yeah, the snow melted on its way down, but the coldness, in contrast to the summer heat, was able to bring some cooling to the emperor. While this was extremely expensive and a lot of work was involved in this, it was extremely innovative at the time. In 1558, a scientist was able to chill ice below its freezing point by mixing it with potassium nitrate. Later on in 1620, artificial freezing is how it was described. This was an effort in using science to create extremely cold temperatures. In the 1700s, Benjamin Franklin became involved in this process. He worked with a chemistry professor, John Hadley, from Cambridge University. They were looking at ways to rapidly reduce the temperature of an object. How quickly can you get it below zero? Benjamin Franklin was quoted as saying, From this experiment, one may see the possibility of freezing a man to death on a warm summer's day. Not one of his more famous quotes, but indeed a quote from Benjamin Franklin. On into the 1800s, Michael Faraday liquefied ammonia and found that it could chill the air, and then it would evaporate. In the mid-1800s, John Gorey, a doctor in Florida, he started using compressor technology to make ice. In the 1850s, an Australian was able to create the first mechanical ice-making machine. Eventually, it was able to produce three tons of ice every day. In the 1880s, President James Garfield, suffering from the oppressive heat in Washington, D.C., yes, before the global warming, climate change issues that we face today, there was oppressive heat back in the 16, 17, 1800s. 
But President James Garfield used a device that would blow air through cotton sheets that were doused in ice water. Now, this was very expensive, and it used a lot of ice, which was rare in those days, but it allowed him to remain cool. This brings us to 1902. The topic of our podcast was working for a company called Buffalo Forge. Their plant, which stored ink and did multicolor printing, found that when they were printing, the ink would not line up exactly the way it was supposed to on the paper, and it seemed to be temperature-dependent. It was so humid during this summer that the paper was expanding and contracting. So the images that they were printing just didn't look the same. The topic of our podcast set out to solve this problem. This was a very complex problem, attempted to be solved by hundreds of years of engineers and scientists who went before him. And they all came up with solutions that helped, but nothing that was really able to be used by the general population. The topic of our podcast actually tried replacing steam with cold water flowing from heating coils, balancing the temperature of the coil surface with the rate of airflow. This would pull the air temperature down to a specific dew point temperature. Going through this process, he realized that the metal coils would eventually rust But it seemed to be working. At the plant, they installed fans, ducts, heaters, perforated steam pipes for humidification and temperature controls in 1902. They added that ammonia compressor in 1903. Now, this was designed to keep the humidity in check. And it was basically the equivalent of melting over 100,000 pounds of ice per day. On January 2nd, 1906, the topic of our podcast was granted a patent for an apparatus for treating air. This was the world's first spray-type air conditioning equipment. In 1907, the first sale of air conditioning equipment to an international customer took place in Japan. A company was born, and the air conditioner was invented. As air conditioning began to be used in the 1900s, it wasn't until about 10 years later that one of these devices would be installed in a private home. A millionaire from Minneapolis hired the topic of our podcast to install an air conditioner in his mansion. As the topic of our podcast would start this company, get it off the ground, and reinvent the air conditioning world, there would be many ups and downs. Many efforts to change the size of the air conditioner, because remember, these were very large devices and very expensive. And these devices were critical to the textile and printing industry, newspaper industry, anywhere that used supplies that were affected by severe heat and humidity, they would benefit from this device. In 1928, the discovery of Freon, a much safer refrigerant, better than ammonia. This would lead to more changes. In 1930, the White House would become air-conditioned. As the timeline went on, the demand for air conditioners would steadily increase. By the 1940s, 
they were making 30,000 units a year. By the 1950s, they would exceed 1 million units in a year. As business grew, air conditioning was wanted by more and more places where people would frequent department stores. And of course, the biggest consumer of air conditioners, movie theaters. Movie theaters were basically known as one of the first places that people could experience air conditioning. In San Antonio, Texas, the Milan building, it still exists. That was the first skyscraper that was air conditioned during construction, and it still exists to this day. Now, as with most inventions of the early 1900s, it was a different time, and the morality of what people did would often come into question for things that today would never be questioned. Air conditioning was one of those things. Now, you're thinking to yourself, what? That doesn't make any sense. What, what is immoral about air conditioning? Well, in the early 1900s, conditioning the air was seen as controlling the weather. And if you're controlling the weather, now you're playing God. And that is a sinful act. Air conditioning in government buildings would eventually get there, but in the early 1900s, Congress would not install air conditioning because of the fear that voters would mock them for not being able to sweat it out like everybody else, like all their citizens, all the voters. Eventually, the attitude of immorality of air conditioning would change as it became a readily accepted device. And the company started by the topic of our podcast would take off and lead the way in this successful adventure. While the company was initially formed in 1915, it would go through many different changes. It was started by the topic of our podcast as president. He had a colleague as treasurer and general manager. And then five other colleagues that would take on this undertaking. Between all seven of them, they were able to scrape together $32,600 in capital and get that company off the ground, creating a brand new industry. As the company grew and experienced hardships like competition from other companies, the business expanded into office buildings, hotels, homes. This was an invention that everybody wanted. Developments in technology and changes in how the units were produced and how they worked allowed the company to expand consistently. The invention of air conditioning would spread to the rest of the world. In fact, the topic of our podcast, at the end of World War II, he and his wife left for a three-month trip to South America where he was treated as a hero. Fifty years after the air conditioner was invented, the topic of our podcast saw his company grow to achieve revenues of over $100 million. In 1969, he announced that the offices of the Twin Towers of New York City at the World Trade Center would be cooled and heated by his company's equipment. As the company grew, mergers would happen, and they would become a billion-dollar company 
1993, they would break the $4 billion mark. In 1996, the company's first web page went online. By 2002, the company was over $8 billion in revenue generation. By 2002, the company would be generating over $8 billion in revenue. Some of the effects that were realized are birth rates, mortality rates. Now that we have temperature controls, people are living longer. Survival rates in hospitals are now increasing with the invention of air conditioning. So many positive differences in the world. Current estimates are that 80% of households in America do have some form of air conditioning. And as efforts to modernize air conditioning systems are still underway, at the time of this podcast, we now have systems that can be controlled by your phone. And while the topic of our podcast is known as the father of air conditioning, I would like to bring up Frederick Jones... African-American, who's credited with inventing the first portable air conditioning unit. This was widely used by military hospitals that had to treat wounded soldiers from wounds on the battlefield. But the topic of our podcast, for his contributions to science, would be awarded an engineering degree by Lehigh University in 1935, a Doctor of Letters degree by Alfred University in 1942, the Frank P. Brown Medal in 1942, and in 1985, after his death, he was inducted into the National Adventures Hall of Fame, and in 2008, he was inducted into the Buffalo Science Museum Hall of Fame. And while he didn't live to see all of the success that his company would accomplish, he died on October 7, 1950 but the mark he left on the comfort of our society will never be forgotten. The topic of today's podcast was Willis Carrier. And I'm sure you're very familiar with Carrier air conditioning units, but now you know the rest of the story. Don't forget to check out Fiverr. Use the link in the show notes. You can get freelance workers for anything. Or use the link on DerekIsy.com, but you have to use that link so they know that we sent you. And until next month, where we get into a topic of murder by someone who may have been insane. Good day. Good day.